Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And check out our YouTube page, youtube.greatdetectives.net. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. And I want to thank Richard so much for his support. He mailed in a check to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. You can also support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or become one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond. The original air date, February the 1st of 1952, and this is the Garibaldi case. Transcribed is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, your plight is our delight. Hmm. Helen Asher speaking, a gal alone with just a phone. Oh, clever, Helen, clever. Thank you, sir. After all, you're not the only one who can make up corny slogans. Easy, girl. You're crowding me. Of course, I just might give up my slogans if you were on time for dinner tonight. Well, that's a deal. I can't stand competition. Seriously, Rick, I have a surprise for you tonight. Oh? You're inviting a preacher for dinner, maybe? No, nothing like that. But I'm fixing the whole dinner myself, from soup to salad. Oh, great, Scott. Four million dollars and she can cook, too. Well, you just remember to go easy on lunch. I want you to have an appetite by the time you get here. Helen, I couldn't think of eating anything that would spoil my appetite. Besides, the automat won't take slugs anymore. Well, I do believe little old me has a little client. Must be male. I don't hear your fangs clicking. Oh, dear, you're so astute. Bye. Bye. You, uh, Diamond? That's right. Well, what do you know? Odds were ten to one uh, I'd find you in. You don't say. Yeah, now get your hat, pal. It's 45 puts the odds in my favor. Now, now, get up. What are the odds on finding out what this is all about? A hundred to one right now. You'll find out soon enough, though. Now, now, come on. And, and, uh, Diamond, don't try no tricks. You do when it's even money, you'll be a, a dead man. Well, some people collect stamps. Me, I collect strange visitors. And the character who led me downstairs to his car was one of the strangers I'd seen all week. He wore a loud check vest, purple sports coat, and bright yellow slacks. And every time he opened his mouth, he gave odds on something or other. We drove through town, finally pulled up in front of a ritzy apartment house. He led me back to an apartment on the first floor. Hold it. This is it. Inside, Diamond. That's far enough. Hey, Janet! Janet! Uh, I'm right here, Freddy. You don't have to... I told you it was four to one. I could... Bring him here. Oh, you in the bed, Freddy. Oh, Mr. Diamond. Oh, hello. 
Fred, if you'd told me she was going to be here, you wouldn't have needed odds. Oh, that's very sweet. I'm a very sweet guy, especially with a gun in my back. You can put it away now, Freddy, and take a walk. I want to speak to Mr. Diamond alone. Oh. Freddy. Okay, okay. Only the odds are three to one I should stick around. Mr. Diamond, I need your help. I suggested this to Freddy, and he said he'd bring you. I, I had no idea he'd force you to come. Well, skip the apologies, honey. Just why do you need my help? My name is Janet Collins. My brother is Bert Collins. Does that name mean anything to you? Well, it all depends. There was a Bert Collins sentenced to the electric chair a few months ago. Same one? Yes, but he isn't guilty, Mr. Diamond. Bert was convicted of murdering a bookie, but he didn't. He tried to tell his story in court, but they wouldn't believe him. And I take it you want to tell me his story now? Exactly. Well, I'm listening. Bert went into the pool room to see this bookie about a loan. While he was talking to him, a stranger came in and shot the bookie. Said something about getting even. And the stranger dropped the gun and ran. And uh, what did Bert do all this time? Well, he was stunned. He bent over the body and picked up the gun just as the police rushed in. It looked like he did it. Only he's innocent, Mr. Diamond. Honey, as I remember it, your brother had a fair trial. Twelve men disagree with you about his guilt. I, I know that. But there's one man who can prove he told the truth. Oh? Well, keep talking. There was a witness to the murder. A little racketeer named Tony Garibaldi was in the pool room when it happened. He saw the stranger come in and kill the bookie. Why didn't this come out at the trial? Because we couldn't find Tony. We? Freddie, Bert's lawyer, and myself... We have witnesses who swear they saw Tony enter the pool room and rush out after the shooting. But you haven't got Tony. No, and he's the only one who can prove Bert is innocent. Unless we find Tony by tomorrow, it'll be too late. Please take the case, Mr. Diamond. Find Tony Garibaldi. Well, I, uh, I can give it a try. This is a big city, though. Tony could be hiding anywhere. I know it's a hard job, but I'll pay the usual fee and... I'll be very grateful, Mr. Diamond. Very grateful. Mm-hmm. Well, save the gratitude for later, dear. After we find Tony Garibaldi. Oh, Diamond. A pretty face, a sob story, and you get into the screwiest cases. Find a cheap racketeer out of seven million people. Hmm. I wonder what kind of odds Freddy would have given me on that. I caught a cab back to my office, picked up my card, then drove down to the 5th Precinct. I was hoping Lieutenant Walt Levinson could give me some lead on Tony Garibaldi. Oh, good morning, Mr. Diamond. Mr. Diamond? Well, so formal. New policy. Commissioner decided we were getting too lax here at the 5th Precinct. Henceforth, we are to treat visitors with dignity and respect. You don't say. Yeah, and stop mm. grinning. <laughs> What do you want down here, anyway? Oh, I'm working on a case. You, uh, you remember Bert Collins? And how? Grilled him after he was arrested. Tough boy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm working to spring him. Yeah, he was one of the... What? Are you crazy? Collins gets the chair tomorrow night. I know, I know, but his sister says he's innocent. And you believed her? I don't know. She wants me to find a punk named Tony Garibaldi. Says Tony witnessed the murder and can prove Bert didn't do it. Oh, yeah, I remember. That's what Bert told us. We tried to locate Tony, but he's dropped out of circulation. You think Tony really saw the murder? Who knows? Guy next door to the pool room said he saw Tony enter and come out later after the shots. 
Look, Rick, there's no doubt that Bird did it. <laughs> the patrolman on the beat rushed in, found him standing over the body with a gun in his hand. Mm-hmm. Well, then why is Tony hiding? And why would Bert's sister want me to find Tony unless she was sure he could free her brother? All I know is we had all the evidence against Bert that we needed. He tried to borrow money from the bookie. Bookie refused. They had a fight. Bert shot him. Open and shut case. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, Walt. I'm still going looking for Tony Garibaldi. Any leads on him? Yeah, I'm afraid not. Chances are some of the petty rackets might know where he is. Tony's worked all the cheap rackets, got a lot of friends. Well, I guess I start covering the petty rackets then, huh? Yeah, good luck, Rick. Bird is innocent. I'd hate to see him burn. Well, uh, if I find Tony, I'll bring him into you here. I'm glad you said if. If you find Tony and if he can clear Bert Collins. That's right, Fatty. If. New York is a big city, and like any big city, it has a lot of rackets. Everything from fake panhandlers to phony insurance salesmen. But someone in these rackets might know where I could find Tony Garibaldi. So I began checking. One racket after another, charity rackets, used car rackets, everything. Yeah, a lot of people knew Tony, but they hadn't seen him in months, or so they said. It was late afternoon by the time I pulled up in front of Sneezy Williams' apartment. A few years back, Sneezy had organized every pickpocket in town, formed a sort of a union. There was a chance he might know Tony's whereabouts. I got out of my car and started for his apartment. Don't turn around, Dan. Uh, hmm. It couldn't be your finger sticking in my back, could it, friend? No, it couldn't be. Walk toward that alley, Diamond, or I'll put a hole right through you. That's a pleasant thought. Now, pal, if this is a stick-up, you're in for a disappointment. The only green stuff in my wallet is moss. Shut up and don't turn around. That's far enough. Diamond, I hear you've been looking for me. Oh, you're Garibaldi? Shut up! I'll do the talking, Diamond. I don't know what your angle is in this or why you're after me, but I want you to lay off. Well, why are you hiding, Tony? What are you afraid of? Never mind that. Now, look, I've heard you're a right guy. I'm... I hate to do this, but you've got to understand I'm not kidding. Keep away from me, or next time you won't get off so easy. Tony, Tony, listen to me. I... Oh. And now, back to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. I was looking for a little racketeer named Tony Garibaldi. Only instead of finding him, Tony found me. And he left a bump on my head as a not-too-gentle reminder that he didn't appreciate me searching for him. But now I was even more determined to find him for two good reasons. One, he might save Bert Collins from the chair. And two, I wanted to repay him for that crack on the head with interest. After I'd come to in the alley, I went to a cafe on the corner, smoked four Campbells, had two cups of coffee, and washed my face. I felt much better as I walked back up the street to Sneezy Williams' apartment. I climbed the stairs and knocked on Sneezy's door. When the door opened, Sneezy stood there, his face screwed up like he'd just bitten into an unripe persimmon, then... Relief spread over his pudgy features, and he held out his hand. Ricky Diamond. Long time no see. How are you, Sneezy? Bad, Ricky. Awful bad. Come on in. Well, thanks. I... 
Ooh, what's that smell? Fumes from my vaporizer over there on the table. I got to breathe them. It clears up my head. Oh. I hear you've uh, gone up in the world, Sneezy. Pickpocket union, huh? Diapered, please, don't use that word pickpocket. In the trade, we call them cadets. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. A common mistake. Mm. Yeah, I organize the boys. It keeps them out of each other's territory, and I get a percentage of all their takes. Mm. Well, that explains a fancy apartment. Uh-huh. Only what goods do when you're a sick man like me? I got a cold all year round. I've been under a mustard plaster so long I feel like a hot dog. <laughs> what brings you here, Ricky? I'm looking for a man, Sneezy. Thought you might know where I could find him. Well, it all depends. Come on, let's sit over here by the vaporizer. I gotta sniff those fumes. Who are you after, Rick? Guy by the name of Tony Garibaldi. Tony, huh? You know him? Oh, sure. Worked for me a few years back. I haven't seen him lately, though. Where was he living when you knew him, Sneezy? No, let's see. Excuse me a sec. Ooh, them fumes feel good. Uh, about Tony. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I should know it. Uh, oh, oh, sure. He lived with his mother. Yeah, that's a nice old lady. I've been over there a few times. Over where, Sneezy? What's the address? The address? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, them fumes. You know, uh, these uh, vaporizers come pretty high these days. Uh, this one set me back ten bucks. Mm. Uh, all right, Sneezy, here's ten bucks. Vicky, you are a kindred soul. Just make with the address, Sneezy. Yeah, the old lady runs a dry cleaning shop over on 79th and 3rd. Right on the corner, you can't miss it. <laughs> Ooh, them foo. Ooh, 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 ah! That last one must have registered on the Caltech seismograph. I left Sneezy with another Gesundheit and went out the door before he blew me out. Then I went to my car, drove across town to the cleaning shop on 79th and 3rd. Inside, I found a tired-looking old lady marking clothes. Yes? You have come for clothes? No, Mrs. Garibaldi. I'm, uh, I'm looking for your son. Tony? Tony. What is it you want with him? I'd like to talk to him. Your friend, the police? Well, indirectly, yes. Go away. Now, Mrs. Garibaldi... Go away. You're not dressed like a policeman. You're not from the police. You wish to harm my Tony. Go away. Uh, Mrs. Garibaldi, your son's in a lot of trouble... He might be able to save an innocent man from dying. I intend to find him. Tony's in trouble, yes, I know. He comes here months ago, tells me he must hide. He does not tell me why. Why must Tony hide from men like you? Why? Your son witnessed a murder. This is a crime? No, no, but Tony ran away. Now, if he tells what he really saw, perhaps an innocent man will go free. Tony is a good boy. He wouldn't have wished harm to innocent man. Uh, perhaps Tony's afraid, Mrs. Garibaldi. Afraid some harm will come to him if he tells the truth. Is this true? No. The police will protect your son. But they can't protect him if they don't know where he is. He's in more danger now. How do I know you speak the truth? You're not from the police. I know you're not to harm Tony yourself. You can check with the police. 
Lieutenant Levinson, 5th Precinct. He'll vouch for me. Oh, I do not know. You would not tell me to check unless you spoke the truth. But I do not know. Where's Tony living, Mrs. Garibaldi? Tony says I'm not to tell anyone. Your son's afraid. People in fear don't think clearly. Now, where's Tony? I... Tony's a good boy. It's no good. He must hide. Where is he? Tony must hide no more. Tony must tell the truth. If I do wrong, may I be forgiven, but... I will tell you where Tony hides. Mrs. Garibaldi wrote the address on a slip of paper. I called Janet Collins and asked her to meet me at Tony's hideout. Together, we might be able to persuade him to tell the truth about the murder. When I got to Tony's rooming house, Janet hadn't arrived yet, so I went up alone. And after five flights, I didn't bother to knock. What? Hello, Tony. Diamonds. Yeah. Now, punk, we'll have a little talk. You get out of here. Leave me alone. Now, stay right there, Tony. I've got the gun this time. And I'm itching to pay you back for that wallop in the alley. I had to do that, Diamond. You, you don't understand. Well, then suppose you enlighten me. Who are you hiding from? You know as well as I do, they hired you to find me, didn't they? It all depends. Who do you mean by they? Colin's sister Janet and that Freddy character, they hired you, didn't they? That's right. To find a chicken-hearted punk who might be able to save Bert Collins from the chair. You're quite a guy, Tony. Let Bert die because you're afraid you'll risk your own neck. Oh, come off it, Mr. Diamond. You must know why they want me. Sure, I was in the pool room the night of the murder. That's why I gotta hide. I don't follow you, Tony. Now, who was it you saw? You're trying to tell me you don't know. I never ask questions if I know the answers. Okay, then, here's your answer. Sure, I seen the killer. It was Bert Collins. What? I was at a back table. Bert come in, he didn't see me. And after the shots, I got out of there fast. Ah, you're lying, Tony. Why are you hiding if Bert really did it? He's been convicted, he can't harm you. No, but his sister and that Freddy guy can. After the murder, they got in touch with me. Told me I had to swear I saw a stranger come in and kill the bookie. They told me I had to swear Bert didn't do it. So that's why you ran? Sure, I didn't want to get in trouble with the law. But if I didn't lie, I'd be killed, so I hid out. Mm. Tony, if what you say is true, I'm the biggest stoop in town. you got to believe me, Mr. Diamond. I swear I, I tell the truth. And, and please don't tell them where I'm hiding, please. It's too late for that, Tony. They already know. What? Yeah, come on. Let's get out of here. We'll get you to a safer place, then we'll have... Uh, uh, hold it right there, kiddies. I'd a fight the one, I'll pull a trigger. Well, well, well. Yellow vest, purple sports coat, and gray gun. Freddy, you're a regular Technicolor nightmare. Better drop your gun, Diamond. Hmm. Hello, Janet. Drop it. That's a sweet little boy. You believe me now, Mr. Diamond? Yeah, Tony, only don't rub it in. Diamond, I'm sorry this has to be... I wanted you to find Tony, but I wish you hadn't talked to him. Oh, Janet, you're a dreamer. This won't work. Even if Tony does swear Bert's innocent, the police will break his story. Your brother dies in the chair tomorrow night, and a lie can't save him. We'll see about that. It's a chance, anyway. Mm. Well, what about it, Tony? You gonna let him take you downtown and lie for them? Well, I... I, I don't know. I know, Tony Diamond. Don't try and fill him with false bravado. He knows what Freddy will do with him. Unless he does exactly what we tell him. Don't you, Tony? Yeah, kid, you know. And the odds are 50 to 1, you'll say just what we want you to say. I... I'm sorry, Mr. Diamond. I... 
guess I gotta do what they want. Oh, don't be a fool, Tony. They'll... Shut up, Diamond. Yeah, yeah, you've talked enough. Betty, I'll leave you here with Diamond. Tony and I'll wait in the car. Don't be long. Come on, Tony. Diamond, oh. I... Now then, Diamond. Just you and me. Ah, uh, you make the most brilliant statements, Freddy. Yeah, and the odds are... Hey, keep your hands out of your pocket. Oh, take it easy, Freddy. There couldn't be a gun in this pocket. Just got a half dollar. See? What's I did? Well, Freddy, old boy, the way I see it, I'm about to be shot. That's even money, all right. Well, I can't figure out whether to die here or trying to rush you or just stand here and wait for you to shoot. Huh? Now, either way, I die... So I might as well decide which way I want it. Thought I might flip a coin. D D Diamond, you must be a little off, huh? Oh, Freddy. Freddy, I, uh, I didn't admit it before, but you see, I'm, uh, I'm crazy about gambling, too. Just like you. Yeah, Sure, huh? sure. You can appreciate a sportsman wanting to go out like this to die on a gamble. I don't know. Oh, Freddy, Freddy, relax. Either way, I die. Now... I'll flip the coin, two out of three. Heads, I die rushing you. Tails, I wait for you to shoot. It is sort of interesting. Hmm? Huh? Here we go. Up. There. Hmm. Tails. You wait. Uh-uh. Two out of three. Up. Hmm. What is it? Heads. Well, go on, go on. This one tells the tale. Yeah, Freddy, this one tells the tale. I held the coin against my thumb. Freddy was interested now. He was the type who liked any kind of a bet, and in this one, the odds were all in his favor. But I always did like long shots. I flipped the coin high. Only this time, I didn't catch it. I let it fall to the floor, and Freddy's eyes followed it. This was what I needed. I threw him off balance, and the gun went clattering to the floor. Then my right hand plowed into a yellow vest... And my left hand followed through. And that took care of Freddy. But there was still Janet outside with Tony in the car. I stripped Freddy of his purple sport coat, put it on, and went downstairs. Outside, I saw Janet and Tony in a blue sedan parked at the curb. I lowered my head and went around to Janet's side as fast as I could. Get in the other side, Freddy. Oh, diamond. No, take it easy, honey. Let me go. Oh, just relax now. Go. You'll go somewhere in a minute. Tony. Yeah? Run out the corner and get the cop of the beat to take care of our little friends, will you? And make it snappy. I got a date at 7 o'clock. Hmm. I wonder how Helen will like me in a purple sport jacket. I beg your pardon, Helen, dear? I said, hmm. Well, that's what I thought you said. Now, dear, please stop staring at me. It makes me self-conscious. Oh, I just can't help it, Rick. I don't think it's right for a woman to tell a man how to dress. I agree. Only sometimes. Well, that purple sport jacket. <laughs> I was wondering when you'd notice it. Oh, I noticed it when you first came in. I'm just getting over the shock. Oh, I knew you'd like it, dear. Wait until you see my red, white, and blue slacks. I'm saving them for Lincoln's birthday. Oh, now, Rick, what's come over you? Personality, dear. Now settle back and listen to your colorful boyfriend sing a sweet song. Oh, what a way to spend an evening. A purple coat, a piano, and a private detective. And I'm the gal who graduated from Vassar. 
And so to sleep again As if I'll ever sleep again These restless nights go on Away from you And so to dream again As if I'll ever dream again My darling, since you're gone My dreams are through No other arms can ease this ache within my heart No other lips can kiss away these tears that start And so to sleep again As if I'll ever sleep again As if I'll ever love again Anyone but you Oh, that was very nice. Thank you. Only I'm surprised you didn't sing a louder tune. To go with your clothes. Oh, Helen, Helen, from your tone, one would think you didn't approve of my new apparel. Yes, <laughs> one would, wouldn't one? Mm. One would also. No, Rick. Rick? Rick? <sighs> Rick. Yes, dear. More? Well, I'd be romantic tonight. Romantic, nothing. As long as you wear that jacket, I'd rather keep my eyes closed. Come here. Tonight's transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond was written and directed by Dick Carr with music by Frank Worth. Virginia Gregg played the part of Helen Asher, and Alan Reed was Lieutenant Levinson. Others in the cast were Herb Butterfield, Gene Bates, and Parley Bear. Be sure to listen to another great camel show, Vaughn Monroe and the Camel Caravan, every Saturday night. Listen next week for another exciting adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was a nice twist, not unprecedented, but a good twist to have it be uh, a situation where the woman who uh, hired him to clear her brother, uh, it was actually 
the case that his brother, that her brother was indeed guilty. Uh, usually it's quite the opposite, so this is a fresh take. I also liked uh, the trick Diamond played at the end uh, to escape. Uh, sometimes those seem kind of gimmicky, but this one was set up pretty well. Throughout the story, we knew about the thug's uh, obsession with uh, gambling, and Diamond just did a very clever uh, thing in the way that he manipulated it. So overall, this was one of my favorite of the uh, ABC episodes. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, that will actually do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie. And then next Wednesday, it's another episode of Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.